Welcome to Northern Latitudes. I'm Bill Alt. Callie is a landscape, nighttime, and travel photographer based in the Canadian Rockies. Having worked with Disney, National Geographic, and Parks Canada, she joined me to talk about her passion for her work and what the outdoors brings to it. Welcome to Northern Latitudes, Kelly. Thanks for having me. You're obviously from Australia originally. Um, what brought you to Canada? <laughs> yeah, so I came to do one ski season about 13 years ago now and promised my family I'd be home in six months and fell in love with the mountains and never went home again. So <laughs> this is it's a very, a very common story in that part of the world. It's like it, every, every third person has an Australian accent and they were only yeah. coming here for a few weeks. Right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. We, uh, we, I don't know. I, I think it's something about the mountains. It's very different from what we get in Australia. I grew up where, uh, we just had beaches. The seasons never changed. Everything looks the same all the time. So yeah, it's um, there's just too much to offer here. <laughs> beaches, beaches are horrible, Kelly. I don't know yeah, I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> um, what got you started in photography? I think originally I did do photography in school for a little bit, and I did film photography and worked in the dark room. Loved that side of things. So it was kind of the old school side of photography that nobody ever does anymore. Um, but then I it all kind of fell away, and I got distracted and started traveling. And then when I moved to the the Canadian Rockies, I think it was more, I picked up the camera again to show my family back home what I was experiencing, what I was seeing, some of the, you know, my day-to-day -day life, I guess, and kind of fell in love again with the process of documenting what I was seeing and enjoyed the challenge of trying to, I guess, capture pictures that did it justice, I guess, would be what happened there. <laughs> and do you remember the first picture you took that did do it justice? Because I know it's hard. I mean, I go yeah. places all the time taking pictures and it's like, no, that's not it. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. <laughs> that's a good question. I haven't really thought about that. The one standout first picture I would say is my first picture of the Northern Lights. Um, and it's absolutely awful. <laughs> you wouldn't even know what you were looking at. But I know what's there because there's a green glow on the camera. And I definitely remember that as being the first time I kind of went, uh-huh, I think I, I think I kind of know what I'm doing now, even though looking back on it now, I definitely didn't. <laughs> so you're self-taught for the most part? Yeah, yeah, self-taught. Um, lots and lots of trial and error, lots of mistakes, lots of learning the hard way. I have done a couple of workshops here and there with other photographers, which has certainly helped, but I should probably have done them a lot sooner, I would say. I could have saved myself a lot of lessons. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed the process of learning. I think it's that it's kind of the most important step is to developing your own style and developing your own voice and understanding how to tell your story through the pictures is going through those those hard lessons and learning um, the technical side of it as well. And now you're doing your own workshops, which full disclaimer, yeah. I am taking part in one this summer out yes. in, uh, with Canadian Mountain Helicoptering. Yes. 
so you, you, you start your business and then you move into workshops as you progressed, but what got you into the business in the first place? Mm, good question. So I started my own photography. I enjoyed it. I never really planned for it to be anything more than that. It was always only going to be a hobby and just something that I enjoyed doing. I kind of just sort of fell into it in a way. There was another photographer in the area who is very well known now, Paul Ziska, and I fell in love with his Northern Light um, photos, photography, and I decided that I was going to take one of his workshops. So I went on this workshop with Paul. It was fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed it and just kind of sparked up a friendship there with him. We spent a lot of time shooting together and just through conversation, it happened he was looking for a assistant. So I offered, offered to, um, I applied for that role and became his assistant. And I think I worked for him for five or six years there and it was fantastic. I loved every minute of it. And through that, I kind of fell into the business side of photography as well. Um, it just kind of happened naturally. It was never intended. And it was certainly never something that I thought would would land me here, I guess. <laughs> and I think that's a pretty common story. I mean, it's, yeah. it seems yeah. to be that most people that get into photography and eventually develop it into a business had no intention mm-hmm. of doing that in the first place. Absolutely. And it just, yeah. it, it just kind of happens. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it about the outdoors that, really gets you going as a photographer yeah and i think that's kind of the the key piece to this this whole photography thing for me is it's actually more about the outdoors than it is about the photography um when i first moved here obviously it was like moving to another planet in terms of what i was used to there was mountains to climb there was snow to slide on there was all these crazy things that i'd never done before I've always loved the outdoors, but something about living in the Rockies, it's kind of hard to avoid. It's just, you're surrounded by it all the time, all this natural beauty, and it's constantly sort of like calling you in to explore it and to see what's out there. So yeah, I nature and being outside and the outdoors comes first, and photography is just kind of a byproduct of documenting those experiences I have. Um, on a nice sunny summer day in the Rockies, I literally can't sit inside. I'm like a... <laughs> a rat in a cage trying to get out I kind of go a little stir crazy so yeah being outside and and just being surrounded by nature is kind of I don't know it's one of the most important things to me and yeah I absolutely have to have it in my life so yeah okay and on that note what's the craziest thing you've done to take a picture out there in the woods too crazy I guess more just getting up at ridiculous hours in the middle of the night and walking up mountains I'm hiking in the dark up mountains more often than I'd like to in the summer but it's uh it's all part of the adventure so yeah nothing nothing too crazy you know safety first always there's lots of safety considerations here mm-hmm. um lots of wildlife to consider and and that sort of thing but yeah no horror stories yet thank goodness <laughs> nah, not a horror story necessarily yeah, but I, have, I, I have i have heard a tale of an australian skating quite a distance to take some pictures oh no and i think that person might have been you oh no how did, how did that get out i uh <laughs> i bribed the people that were with me that day to never speak of that <laughs> no no that was that was an interesting day let's just say thank goodness there was a wind at my back pushing me most of the way <laughs> 
and that, and I believe that was to take some picture a picture of bubbles in the ice, right? Mm -hmm. And we have and we do have one of your pictures we're gonna look at later that is is an awesome shot of bubbles mm -hmm. in ice. I believe you're a cannon shooter, I believe. Correct? I am. Yep, yep. I've always been a cannon shooter. I haven't haven't switched it up the whole way. Um, but yeah, I just like the the easy, I just find it's an easy interface to work with. Um, yeah, I love my Canon gear, but I'm very, I don't know, some people like to preach their gear. I think the best camera is whatever you have in your hand. So, uh, yeah. 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 And your post, your post processing, you do all that yourself as well? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, uh, I use Photoshop and Camera Raw. Um, I'm not a Lightroom user, but yeah, I like to do everything myself and I actually really enjoy that process <clears throat> almost as much as shooting in the first place. Um, I'm a graphic designer trained. I went to school for graphic design and worked in web design for a few years there. So I have a lot of um, knowledge background in those uh, programs anyway, which I definitely think helped me along the way. We'll be right back. Podcast listeners, if you're listening to audio only right now, you can see the images Callie and I are talking about on the podcast page at northernlatitudes.ca. Or even better, you can watch the video on our new YouTube channel. We started out with an image called Ice Window. Can you tell me a little bit about this one? Yeah, so this was taken <clears throat> probably on one of my favorite days I've ever experienced. We were down in Antarctica. And I mean, that place is just insane. It's, it's like going to a different planet. It's so hard to put into words what it's like to be down there. And we were bobbing around in this beautiful protected bay this afternoon as the sun was setting. We'd spent hours out there all day, actually, surrounded by humpback whales. And they were feeding and we were out in the zodiacs, sort of like watching these whales come up and there was calves and mothers and it was just pure magic. And we were also surrounded by these amazing icebergs, as you can see there, all sorts of colors, all sorts of interesting shapes and textures. It was just photography heaven. And anyway, I was particularly interested in this ice window, sort of trying to figure out how to frame things up and asking the Zodiac driver to move us around to align it in different ways. And there was birds everywhere. This bird had been circling and actually landed right on top of that little archway there, first of all. And we thought that was pretty neat. And then somebody in the boat said, oh, imagine if it flew through the window. So we all kind of aimed our cameras and sure enough, it eventually flew through. So it was kind of one of those, hope you had the right settings at the right time moments. <laughs> That's part of it, isn't it? Part of it is, we won't call it luck, <laughs> but we'll call it a little bit of fortune smiles upon you as a photographer. Yes. And all of a sudden, <laughs> something something you were hoping for suddenly appears. Mm -hmm. And in that case, for you, it was a bird flying through an arch. And it, it's an amazing picture, actually. Just the oh, timing alone is incredible. <laughs> Floral frost. And it, and it, for the people just listening, it's a, an awesome shot of a mountain in the background with the frost crystals on frozen ice in front of it. Where was this one taken? Yeah, so this is in Banff, in Banff National Park here at Bow Lake, which is along the Icefields Parkway, one of the most beautiful drives in the world, in my opinion. And yeah, Bow Lake is, I mean, it's beautiful every single time of, of year. You know, it changes so drastically through the seasons. But winter, it can be a little bit bland if you go at the wrong time. The lake freezes and then it gets covered in a meter of snow. So it's just kind of a big white blanket. But 
if you go at the right time and get just the right conditions, it has to be really, really cold. You get these ice crystals or ice flowers are often called here and they sort of grow out from any clear ice um, when it's around minus 30 degrees or minus 20 degrees. So it's not a, it's not fun for the fingers when you're out in those temperatures, but yeah, they, they certainly make for a beautiful foreground. That's for sure. Speaking of frozen fingers, any tips for dealing with the cold? Because oh, it's, I mean, obviously we, we, we're all shooting in Canada and large parts of the year we're dealing with pretty yes. severe cold. Yeah. So absolutely. any tips for equipment and, you know, your fingers? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, my number one tip is hand warmers. Put them everywhere, <laughs> including <laughs> including on your batteries. Um, they're a really, really good way to keep your battery life going. So I kind of have any spare batteries I have in my pockets and then I have hand warmers in there as well. Um, heated gloves, I haven't had any luck with them yet. Some people swear by them. I'm still trying to find a pair where I can keep my dexterity and keep moving, you know, pressing the buttons I need to press. So that's something I'm working on. Um, but yeah, all of the layers and hand warmers is kind of my my main way of, of keeping warm in the winter for sure. Your main way of survival. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need a sponsorship with hand warmers, I think. <laughs> <laughs> this one, I believe, is called Awestruck. Mm -hmm. uh, Milky Way, mountaintop, lit by the, the moon, I would assume, mm -hmm. water in front. And oh, and by the way, that Highway 93 drive is one of the best in the world. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Although there, there's one in Iceland that gives it a pretty good push. Oh, uh, yeah. Also <laughs> amazing, yes. <laughs> What's the secret to catching a good Milky Way picture? Yeah, so there's a few things that come into play which often get overlooked. Um, first of all, depending on where you are in the world, you've got to get the right time of year. It's not just there year round. Lots of people don't know that. Um, so in the Rockies here, it's kind of around, well, it's coming into view now, actually. But around April, May is the best time of year to go out. Um, the other thing is the moon cycle is super important you can't just sort of go out anytime. You have to make sure that you've got a new moon and ideally it hasn't risen yet. So in my picture here, it's just starting to rise, which is what's catching the top of the mountain there. So you can still just get away with it. Um, but the moon really, you don't want any moonlight around if you can avoid it. And then the third thing is, even though you might think you've got a clear night, it really ideally there won't be a single cloud in the sky. Even the tiniest little wisp of cloud can really cover up that Milky Way. So I like to make sure, again, in my photo, you can see there's a few wisps around just kind of interrupting the detail in the Milky Way there. So ideally not, not a single cloud around. Um, so yeah, there's quite a few factors that need to align to get a, a perfect Milky Way shot. It's, it's not sort of one of those things where you just decide one night you're gonna go out. You could get lucky, but you do have to do some, some planning beforehand. And there's, is there anything that in the post-processing that, yes. that helps? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, it depends on your editing style and your preferences and that sort of thing. I like to play around with the sliders quite a lot. You know, you can do various different sharpening tools to, to bring out the detail. It's very easy to over-process a Milky Way. You know, it's very tempting to, to really bring out that clarity in it, but I find it can get a little bit too over-processed and crunchy sometimes. So, yeah, I often stare at Milky Way pictures for a couple of hours or even a couple of days and come back to them and make sure I haven't overcooked it um, because that's a, a very quick way to turn 
a beautiful Milky Way picture into a not so beautiful one. <laughs> right. And is this a single frame or is it layered? Yeah, this is a single frame. Um, and if you look really closely, there's actually a, a meteor in the top as well, which just happened to fly through. I, 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 did, I did I did notice that. Yeah. <laughs> at first I thought it was a plane and was kind of upset with it, but on closer inspection, it is a is a meteor that I got there. So I was pretty happy with that. <laughs> It's always it's always good to catch the meteors in the nighttime, yeah, the nighttime awesome. shots. It doesn't matter what they're. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And so this one in particular, I was actually camping. Um, it's a it's out of Berg Lake, so it's a how far is it? Maybe a fifteen kilometer hike to get out there. I've forgotten how far it is now. But um, so yeah, I'd gone to bed. I'd set my alarm. I woke up, went and took my picture. I wasn't too far from my tent here, so it wasn't a big walk or anything like that. Um, and I went back to my tent and about half an hour after going back to bed, there was something sniffing around my tent and I wasn't brave enough to look out to see what it was, but I know it was big and I know it had a, a pretty heavy breath on it. So I, it might've been a bear, but we'll, um, I'll never know. <laughs> you will never know because you didn't stick your head I'll out. Never to find know. Out. Probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> and this last one for the four yeah. you sent me is... It's just awesome. This is fire and ice, and yep. um, it's an amazing shot. Oh, um, <laughs> bubbles in front of a mountain, in front of a a glow and after an after sunset glow, mm -hmm. um, and it's just it's an amazing picture. It's it's truly stunning. Thanks, um, thank you. So you you tell me where it is and how much and what you did to take this shot because it's yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, I wish it was more of an epic story, but sometimes the best pictures are <laughs> the least exciting stories. So this is the famous Abraham Lake, um, which is well, well known for the bubbles. Many, many people go there now every winter to, to see the bubbles. And it's just incredible. So the whole lake, if you get a good year, the whole lake fills with these bubbles. Um, and you can walk out on the ice and, you know, it's meters and meters thick. You can drive a, dr a truck on the ice in the middle of the winter. It gets so thick. And so for me, I really wanted to get um, a nice sunrise above the bubbles. I had been trying for a couple of years and, you know, you can check the forecast, but it doesn't always align the way you want it to. So I'd been watching this morning in particular and I thought, yeah, you know, I think it might light up. The clouds were just at the right height. You know, there was a break in the, in the clouds on the horizon in the right spot. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to do it. So I think I, you know, you have to get up quite early. The drive is about two hours to get out there. So it's quite a commitment. You know, you've got to get up at three in the morning. I think it works out as, and, and you head out. And I actually um, had car trouble halfway and I had to pull over and I didn't think I was going to make it in time. So I was upset because I could see the clouds just starting to turn and I thought, oh shoot, this is going to be really good. And I've got up so early and here we are. I'm going to have to call for some help to come and rescue me here in my broken down car. But I just managed to get it going again and we got there just in time. And um, there was people everywhere because it was a good morning and everyone else had got there on time. And I thought, oh, shoot, all the good foregrounds are going to be gone. I'm not going to be able to find anything. And I kind of it was already turning pink at this stage. So I was already way too late and I shuffled down onto the ice and sure enough, found this perfect foreground still that no one had discovered. I had to walk a little ways out to find it, but yeah, I was, I was happy with how it worked out considering I was way too late for the morning. <laughs> and see there the, for, for a picture that didn't have much of a story, it did have a story. 
<laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> they, they always do. You know, yeah. oh, I, I was just doing this and I stepped out of my tent and it's, oh, yeah. you stepped out of your tent. Where were you camping? Well, you know, we had hiked 27 miles to get to where we were. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously it's a passion for you now. It's, yeah. it's, you know, between this and the outdoors, mm-hmm. um, anybody that's going to hike 15 kilometers to take a picture is obviously <laughs> passionate, passionate about two things, being outside and carrying a camera with them as well. Yeah, for uh, sure. <laughs> um, how important has passion or, you know, as, as it's grown, the passion has obviously grown with it. Mm-hmm. And, and how important is that is to keep, keep it going? It's yeah, I mean it's tough, you know, like in the depths of winter, it's freezing cold. There's a good show on Netflix. It's hard to get off the couch to go out and take a nighttime picture. Um there's definitely I wouldn't say that it's there all the time. There's waves and it it ebbs and flows and there's times where you've got to push yourself to do it. But I find that every single time I step out the door with my camera, it ends up being a good day regardless of whether I get a shot or not. You know, it's it's something that you definitely need to feed and you definitely have to stoke. It doesn't stay there automatically um, all the time, but I think you are always rewarded for your effort if you can get yourself out there. And yeah, I mean, it's, it is a reward for, for passion and for for hard work. Definitely. You know, you, you do get the benefits of it, even though sometimes it feels more like work than, than uh, passion sometimes. (laughs) And now you've been in well, everywhere in the world now. You've been to Antarctica and um, you have a connection to National Geographic as well, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've been uh, working with them here and there for quite a few years now, actually. Um, I'm a regular contributor to their, their travel Instagram page um, and I work on a couple of projects with them here and there. Yeah, yeah. I really like being affiliated with a company that has a good set of outdoor values for sure. Well, and it's one of those things too, where every photographer in the world thinks, "Well, National Geographic, right?" Yes. It's like it's, it's, it's just such a such a prominent brand when it comes to imaging, and it's it is. you know it's it's obviously a feather in your cap to be able to say, "Yeah, hey. it's definitely yeah, a cool know. claim." I um, I've, I my mum still has actually those silly little things that you fill out at school. What do you want to be when you grow up? And mum still has the one where I wrote National Geographic photographer. So. She's my number oh. one and, and reminded me of that when, on the day that I got hired by them. So yeah, and that's really cool. So this, so this is deep rooted. Um, I guess so. Yeah, without realizing. Do, do you remember? Did you take photos when you were child, like younger? Like um, nothing. I mean, my dad always had a camera, so it probably comes from him. I remember. You know, I remember him always having one of those old school cameras. I don't even know what it was now. I need to look that up. But yeah, nothing in particular. It was more, it was always more of sort of about the outdoors and wildlife and that sort of thing that I was interested in. But I think the photography is kind of like tied into all of that. So, yeah. I asked because I have a photo that I took when I was probably about 12 years old. Oh, cool. And it, That's and awesome. it was probably probably about 50 meters from my house. <laughs> uh, a, a small creek with a reflection of the blue sky in it. Oh. And I, ha- and I have a four, I have a four by six print of it that's still very prominent because it, oh. like, like you, I kind of got into photography and then as life kind of worked its way in, it kind of went away and now it's come back. Yes. Um, yeah. That seems to happen. <laughs> so anybody starting out, best piece of advice for somebody? Yeah, starting? I think um, 
when you're starting out, it's very easy to get wrapped up in the technical side of things and to get overwhelmed with the technical side of things. Um, I think for, you know, to be successful at it and to enjoy it, you've got to put the experience first. So it's got to be more about being outside, enjoying what it is that you're doing and enjoying, you know, the beautiful scenery that you're surrounded by. That has to come first. You know, if you are only out there to get a picture, nine times out of 10, you're going to be disappointed and it won't work out. You know, if you put all that pressure on, you know, coming out with a result, um, I find the more you try to force results, the less likely it is to happen. It has to be has to be authentic and it has to come from a place of, of enjoyment first, I think. So that's kind of my number one piece of advice. Um, also repetition, you know, you can't, you can't go out once every few months with your camera and, and expect to improve drastically. You really do need to put some time in early on to sort of, you know, get that muscle memory, get familiar with the gear, start to understand like your style um, and just learn your own little tips and tricks. You know, you can have somebody teach you uh, so many things. There's there's so many benefits to learning from others, but there's still something to be said for learning it yourself and going through the process yourself as well. So yeah, stick with it, work through it. It's not always fun at the start, but um, you'll eventually get the rewards for sure. So the learning process, you're on the other side of that now, you're teaching yeah. workshops and stuff. How much do you enjoy the teaching side of it? Oh, I love it. It's funny. I um, Paul Ziska, actually, he asked me to assist on a workshop. It was my very first time teaching and I was terrified and I was convinced that I wasn't going to like it. And I actually came away buzzing from the whole experience and uh, energized. And I think it's the fun thing about it is you get to see people experience what you feel over and over again for the first time. You know, that moment that that something clicks, they have their aha moment and they they see a picture on the back of their camera that they're proud of. That's such an amazing feeling. And to get to share that with other people is just, it's, yeah, it's, it's like me feeling what I get to feel myself, but sharing it with others all over again. It's really rewarding. So I quite enjoy that. All <laughs> right. I, I'm going to thank you for coming on today and I'm looking forward to a couple of aha moments this summer when I meet, <laughs> when I meet you in person awesome. and, we're, and we're traipsing around the, the Bugaboo Mountains. Yes. Bugaboos were in yet, right? Yes, you got it. Um, yeah. So oh, I can't it's, wait. It's it's like a photographer's paradise out there, Bill. You're gonna be you're gonna be in heaven. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks again, Callie. Thank you. So nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Callie is a landscape, nighttime, and travel photographer based in the Canadian Rockies. That's it for episode five. Thanks to producer Sarah Simpson and social media director Alina Simpson for their help this week. Our theme music and brand logo are by Titan Sound, John Sanfilippo. The extra music today is by Pete Stewart and is called In Hiding. Make sure to tell a friend about the podcast and send them over to the podcast page at northernlatitudes.ca. I'm Bill Alt. Find your way to Northern Latitudes. Thank you.